Hey guys, it's me, Jenna Hartley. Welcome to Heart to Heart. This is the place to be if you want to be inspired, be empowered, and find ways to embrace the strong woman I know you already are. So buckle up and let's get ready to discover our inner badasses. Hey guys, today I'm talking with the fabulous Candy Steiner. Um, we talk about, all about the Enneagram success and failure and how to overcome both. Um, and this episode was previously recorded in the summer of 2020. Um, so you may hear us talking about books that are about to come out that now are out. Um, anyways, I hope you enjoy our chat. Thanks. Hi, I'm Jenna Hartley. Welcome to Writer Wednesdays, a weekly chat with my author friends. It's a chance to get to know some of the writers behind your favorite stories, as well as discover some new authors. I am super excited because today we have a very awesome, very special guest, Candy Steiner. <laughs> Hi, that's uh, me. <laughs> so excited. Uh, Candy is a best-selling author and whiskey connoisseur living in Tampa, Florida, best known for writing emotional roller coaster stories true. Um, she loves bringing flawed characters to life and writing about real raw romance in all its forms. No two Candy Story, Candy Steiner books are the same. And if you're a lover of angsty, emotional, and inspirational read, she's your guest. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so I actually took your um, marketing class through the Writer's Atelier and I loved it. Um, it was really well done. It was like the first class I'd kind of taken online like that. Um, so I guess I wondered, um, what's one of your favorite top tips for writing for marketing for writers? <laughs> Ooh, um, that's a great question. First of all, thank you for tuning in. I had so much fun doing that. Um, I always say my, my biggest tip for writers when it comes to marketing is to figure out who you are as a brand like as a person. Um, and this is really hard for my introverts. It's really hard for, um, people who are not like me and don't love to put everything about themselves online, but I encourage them to just sort of, um, get three to five pillars of your brand. Um, and what I mean by pillars is like, obviously we know you write, we know that you love books. Those are sort of, um, already established whenever you're in the writer atmosphere, but what else can you bring to an online experience and why else would somebody who want to follow you and read your books? So some of my pillars are travel, um, and Florida life because I, I do a lot of like beachy stuff and kayaking and things in Florida. Um, uh, whiskey, definitely a pillar for me. Um, I'm very well known for my, for my love of whiskey. My cat is definitely a pillar for me because I'm a major cat lady and I love to post about pockets. So I say this because I think that one of the best things you can do is, um, be, give something before you try to sell something, be someone that people want to follow online just because they love the content you're providing and they feel like they're your friend. Um, and that's, sort of like the number one thing to do. And then from there, once you have attention, you can be like, oh, by the way, I also write books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was definitely one of my favorite tips from your um, your class. And I, I found ways to implement it um, where I feel like it made me more cohesive and focused in what I was doing, where it was like, yeah, okay, like my pillars are like mom life, food, you know, books, travel, things like that. So um, yeah, I really- Absolutely. And and you can give examples of your writing through these things. It's not detracting from your, your brand as a writer, because every time you write a caption, every time you explain something about being a mom, or um, if you if cooking is one of your pillars, if you, if you talk about 
the way cooking makes you feel. All of those are opportunities for you to show your writing style. And that's sort of what I try to get across is you can capture them as a writer before they even realize it, you know? Lure you into my net and then poof, you're trapped. Exactly. <laughs> you're like a spider bringing them in yeah. your web and then, oh, you're stuck here. I don't I think any of us would be sad to be stuck in your web, Kitty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, I've been following, I love following you on Instagram and um, I still need to get the honest Enneagram, which you post about a lot. Um, and so I was curious if you'd tell me what your Enneagram type is. Yeah, I am an Enneagram 7, and I am a hard Enneagram 7. So um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with what the Enneagram is, it's sort of like a personality test, but it goes beyond any personality test I've ever done. It's not like Myers-Briggs, even though I love Myers-Briggs. It's just, it's a little more in depth. And what I love most about Enneagram is that they don't just like pet your hair and tell you how pretty you are. They actually point out all the things that make you very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and sort of how to um, not change because they're not trying to change you, but sort of um, recognize maybe places that you could do work and take those innate things about yourself and, and um, make them work for you in your day-to-day -day life. So I am definitely the, um, the enthusiast. I love to be positive and uplifting, but that also on the flip side means that I like to ignore anything that is negative or... <laughs> anything bad in my life I'm just like let's not talk about that let's oh, shove it down the box I know feel that way no I'm just kidding yeah um <laughs> I had I had watched the 2019 Inkers Con where Carla Sorensen did um a whole presentation of it and that's where I'd first heard about it and I love like the Enneagram website because they show like the relationships and stuff but I had listened to a podcast that like each episode was like 20 minutes about the types and I had taken the test and it said I was a one and I kind of half-assed it and so I thought oh, we'll see, like, yeah, it's mostly on target, whatever, and then I listened to the podcast, and I was like, oh, so oh it's me, yeah, it's me, like, you know me, oh, dear, yeah, <laughs> not that it's, you always know you found your type, when they start to talk about the biggest fear, and the biggest motivators, and you're like, ooh, I don't, I don't yeah. like this, I, I don't like talking about that anymore, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Carla is, she is, like, an expert on this, um, and so she told Stacy Hart about it, who then was like, she was like, Candy, you're taking this test. Like she basically paid for the test for me to take it. And so we talk about it all the time. And Carla is like the expert. She has dived into this for years and knows so much about it. I am just sort of like, I would say I'm a novice because I've been studying it for about a year now or a little, mm -hmm. wow, I guess been about a year and a half now. Um, you're more than a novice then, huh? Yeah, I guess so. I'm intermediate. Intermediate. <laughs> Maybe and you know what I love about the Enneagram too, while we're just, while we're talking about it is it has become such a huge tool for me in creating characters because of Carla. Carla was yes. very avid about like that being something that you think about when you create your characters. And ever since then, it's, I have a, a giant sheet that I do on each character to create depth for them. And I do everything from their horoscope and their Enneagram number to like what they like to do when no one's looking. Um, <laughs> So, and I have that on my website, by the way, if there are any writers watching who would like that, you can find it on candysteiner.com. Um, but it, I love creating the Enneagram, not just for one character, but for both. And then looking at how they might mesh together and some things they might run into. Yeah. I think sometimes I almost use it in a backwards fashion, um, where it's like, I get to know the character. And then maybe if I'm like stuck and thinking like, 
why is this not working? And then I kind of go to the Enneagram and I'm like, oh, because this is not, you know, consistent to you as a three or whatever. So yeah, it's, exactly it's a really it. great tool, especially like on the Enneagram website where they show the couple relationship matchups, which is really cool. So absolutely. <laughs> um, so I guess uh, what started, what motivated you to start writing romance yourself? Uh, reading or writing? Writing. What did I writing. say? I don't know, but I, I was trying to make sure I heard correctly. So <laughs> writing romance. So I studied nonfiction in college, actually. So when I majored in creative writing, I had a particular interest in nonfiction. And that was where my professor saw, or they told me that I, I had the most shine and that I had the most voice. And they were really impressed with that sort of aspect of my writing. Um, but when I got into fiction in my senior year, it just so happened to be when Fifty Shades of Grey was really blowing up. Um, the indie romance uh, world was blowing up. And I was finally able to read for pleasure again after being in college where it was very difficult for me to find any time to read. Um, and so I started reading romance and I, I have always been a hopeless romantic. I mean, I, my writing career started by writing poems about boys that I still have. I like write, I'm literally like titled like the boy in seventh period and stuff like that. Um, Please publish so, this on your website even because that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I should like bonus content. Yeah. Right? I should send in my newsletter. <laughs> um, but and so I I've and I've always been like I'm definitely one of those girls. I fall hard when I fall in love, and I'm never afraid to like get hurt. If even if it happens, I'm just like, well, that kind of sucks. But I, I get up and I keep going. And um, well, you're so the enthusiast, right? <laughs> I am the enthusiast, exactly. So when I started writing um, after college, it was like, I was like, okay, I've written some things that I, I published in like little magazines, but I really want to write a book this time and I'm going to publish it. Whether I ship it to an agent or do it myself, I'm going to publish it. And all I could think about was romance. I had this idea about a tag chaser, which it's kind of a derogatory term for a girl who likes to date men in the military, primarily for, usually it's because they have money, right? Yeah. Or like, you know, they can move around, whatever, all these mm -hmm. things. Um, but I wanted to do a twist on it where the girl only dates guys in the military because she doesn't want a long-term relationship. She just wants flings. So she dates these guys knowing that they're going to have to ship out eventually. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of where my idea started. And from there I wrote that book and I was just like, I, I have so many more stories that I want to tell and yeah, it flourished from there. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. It's so funny. Uh, hearing tag chaser. It's just funny to me. Like, uh, a reader had called one of my heroes, a cinnamon roll hero. And I'm like looking it up cause I'm like, so out of the lingo, it's really funny. Um, but that's really cool. Um, so Wait, I, guess, I don't know what a cinnamon roll hero is. What it is was that? somebody that's like gone through adversity, but is like super ooey gooey on the inside. So Aww, <laughs> which I this like character definitely had. And the funny thing is I, I recently bought a t-shirt um, that's, that says like cinnamon rolls, not gender rolls. Um, because <laughs> I thought it was funny because they had mentioned the cinnamon roll thing, but also all of my books kind of focus on flipping gender roles and stuff. And so it just seemed like totally something I needed, right? <laughs> that is awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I'm always really surprised by um, reader reviews and what they will call out in my books versus what I was going for um, or the, the way they interpret certain characters. Like sometimes I will have a character that I'm so in love with and people are like, God, this character frustrated me. I hated them. Like, and they just hate, like, 
like Brex um, <laughs> in A Love Letter to Whiskey. I love her so much, but all the reviews, they just hate her. And I think it's because they love Jamie and it took so long for them to get together and everything. So they get frustrated with her, which I get, but I'm like, she is so strong. She's going after her career. She's not letting a guy stop her. She's very like focused and whatever. Right. Anyway. And then, you know, like I just had Make Me Hate You come out yeah. and the boyfriend, I don't want to like spoil anything, but the boyfriend in that book, um, after I wrote the first draft, my beta readers were like, you know, I really wanted to feel more push and pull between Tyler and the boyfriend, Jacob. I wanted to have a harder decision to make. I wanted to feel the angst. So I went back through and I kind of strengthened Jacob. And now everybody's in love with Jacob and they all want a story want for a story. him and they're yeah. mad at me for breaking his heart. And I'm just like, golly, I can't win. <laughs> but it's so funny. It's so heart. interesting. But I do, I would like to read his story. I'd like to see him get his happily ever after. <laughs> I have him tucked into a, into my pocket for the future. Just, you know, I've got him on the back burner for when okay. I'm ready. Good to know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, I know you've mentioned your love of Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, which I think is a phenomenal book. Um, so I wondered if you have any other books that you'd recommend to writers to improve on craft or just to inspire, because hers I would... I would put in the inspiration category. Yeah, she's definitely, gosh, that book is always going to be my number one. Um, I just, what I love so much about that book was how she sort of separated writing from financial advancement. Um, because I think a lot of people nowadays, and, and I'm not saying it's wrong, it's just different from what I went into writing. It's like a lot of people get into writing because they want to make money. They want to make a career of it. And they go into it thinking, I'm going to make money off my writing. Mm -hmm. And I think it hampers you. I think it, it really holds you back. It puts this financial pressure on your creativity that it, um, it can really screw you up. And I mean, even I have fallen into that trap because I didn't go into writing looking for success, but once I found success with my writing, I felt this insane pressure and this need to sort of like conform to what I thought people wanted from me. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I have realized more than anything, especially after reading that book is that you can't put financial pressure on your writing or it will just, it will just crush it to dust and you will end up, you know, halfway through a manuscript writing something you don't even love. And you'll just be like, what the heck am I even doing? So I highly recommend big magic. I just think it's incredible. Um, you know, there's not, there aren't a lot of craft books that I can say I walked away from feeling like I got this like big thing out of, but, um, I do really like on writing by Stephen King just because one is Stephen King and two, he, he's a pantser. Um, which I think is crazy because his plots are so yes. insane. So hearing about his writing process was really interesting. One of the things I loved was how he said he like writes the first draft of a book and then shoves it away in a drawer and like doesn't look at it for a year. I can't do that because I am like so anxious to get my book in front of people. Um, the enthusiast, right? right. Um, but I just thought that was cool. So if you want to get a taste of like two completely different writing styles, go for Elizabeth Gilbert and then Stephen King and just... Well, they're, they're also very different too, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting hearing that I read, um, I think it's called Write Naked. I really like that one. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. She talks kind of, I think that was the one where she talked about kind of the financial pressure, but also this pressure, like you think, oh, once you've made USA Today bestseller, or once you've sold a million, whatever, whatever your goal is, right? Whether it's big or small, once you've hit that goal, then you're done. Like you've made it right. But it's like, no, there's always a new goal to strive to, or like always. you want to hit the list again or whatever. And so it's like, I guess, you know, 
what are your tips for dealing with probably an immense pressure that you could potentially feel from reader demands, you know, or any part of it um, to, to stay authentic to what you want to write? Yeah, I'm actually, so I, I do my Wrangling the Writer series and um, the next topic that I'm covering is sort of how to come out from that pressure after you've had a good release. Because one of my most viewed um, videos is how to recover from a bad release, how to kind of bounce back from it. Um, and I, I've gotten a lot of messages who are like, my first book or like my last book did really great and now I am, am suffocating with pressure. Um, and I've been there. I mean, Weightless was my first bestseller and it changed my life overnight. I went from being an author that nobody really knew about or, you know, I had my little tiny corner of the world, but not many people read me, um, to being in Amazon's top 100 and, you know, just, it completely changed everything, completely changed everything. Um, and I found myself sort of crippled when I went to write again because I felt this pressure to deliver again. I was like, I have to, I have to do this. I have to hit Amazon top 100 again. I have to give them the same kind of feelings. I, I have to get as many reviews. Um, and for me, it took sort of hitting a breaking point for me to, again, release all of that pressure. Um, I meditate. I think that is very important for writers, for everybody really, but especially for writers because our brains we are our own worst enemy. We are so mean to ourselves. We, we think that we have, we are, um, imposters. We think that we're never going to be good enough, no matter what we do. And even if people tell us that our books are great, we don't believe it. Um, it's really hard. So meditating and being present and being, um, just having lightness, not taking everything so seriously is really important to me. So anyone who is struggling with that sort of pressure to perform, uh, my biggest piece of advice would be to sit in a room by yourself, quiet, close your eyes and try to turn off your brain and ask yourself just the, the biggest questions. Like, why do you love to write? What is important with writing? How do you define success? Is it really defined by how much money you make or what rank you make or whatever? Um, or is it just, you know, what, what you make, is it creating something? Is it an experience for the readers? Because to me, that's what it always comes back to. And if you can keep that focus in your mind, the pressure won't matter because you'll be creating something for you and your reader primarily, and not for money, not for fame, just for the reader and the writer experience. So, yeah, I remember reading this book on, um, kind of, I don't remember whether it was performance or whatever, they kind of went through different industries, or actually, no, it was a, a conductor for like the Boston Philharmonic or something, and he had been their conductor for like years, and he kind of talked through, um, like he was teaching a class at one of the music schools, and I guess like all the students came in, they were so concerned about the grade, and he's trying to get them to not focus on the grade, but like to just focus on their performance and their love of music, and so I think I don't know if this quote was from there or from something else, or it's just, you know, one of those kind of um, sayings you hear about like the joy of the task is its own reward. And I think yes. sometimes it's hard to remember that when you get caught up in like, I mean, I just came out of a release two weeks ago and it was- Congratulations, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thanks. So it was like my craziest release yet because I, I, I really, you know, worked to do a lot of things I hadn't done before and pushed myself. And then it was like, well, like that was awesome. And I'm like a little bit fried. Right. And so it was like, I went on this epic cleaning spree of my house and I'm just like trying to declutter my mind of my space so that I can get back to the space to create again. So yeah, that is a great word. Declutter. That is, is so great. And I always, I mean, 
everyone is going to feel different about this. I have, I've talked to colleagues who, when they sit down, writing is a chore for them. I mean, it's always hard. It's always, they don't want to do it. They feel better after they've done it, but you know, it's always a chore when they sit down. I'm not that way. I, for me, I know something is off if I don't sit down with an excitement it like um, bubbling up in me. And that doesn't mean that every day is roses. It doesn't mean that I sit down every day and like, like Cinderella with a bunch of birds flying around my head and stuff. It just means that I can look at what I have to write. And even if I'm like, Ooh, this is going to be tough. Like I've got a lot to get through in this scene. I'm still like, Oh, but it's going to be great when I finish it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I totally get that. I do a lot of, um, and this surprises me because I used to consider myself a morning person, but I like, um, writing actually before bedtime. So I call it like my bedtime brainstorming. Cause it's like oh, love that. quiet. I'm just like laying in my closet literally because my husband and I turn out the lights for him and stuff so he can go to bed. Um, and it's like, I just sit there and I allow myself to like enjoy and write. I feel like it's because I'm the most relaxed, but also like I wake up the next morning and I feel like I have a head start because I have to type in those notes. And so I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's finding your, your process, your happy way to write. But yeah, I mean, I love writing and there are definitely some days that I'm like, wow, the words are flowing, they're singing, whatever. And then there are other days where you're like, why, why is it not here? Right. And it's like, well, is it something's off with you or the story or whatever? You just, you know, you figure it out. So you have to figure it out. And I, and I think what you said about routine is it's so important to find your routine, whether you write best at night or morning or in the middle of the day with food, without food, with a drink in hand, whatever. Um, and be prepared for that to change. Um, when I worked full time, I was a nighttime writer. So I would write, um, every night after work or most nights after work. And I would edit on the weekends and things like that. Mm -hmm. But when I started writing full time, that completely switched. And now I, I have to write first thing in the morning because I cannot, I don't have space to let my brain get clouded with other things, with news, with social media, with emails, with other tasks that I have to do. So I have like a little morning routine I do. And then the first thing I do, I don't open anything else, just my manuscript. And I write until I've hit my goal for the day. And then I tackle everything else. Um, so as much as writing is about joy and creating, it also is about discipline. You're not going to be able to write a book if you don't have discipline. And that is where so many beginning writers get stuck is they write the first like four or five chapters because it's fun and they love it. And then they hit the hard parts and they just lose all their steam. And you have to push through those hard parts to get to the reward at the end. I feel like you're giving me a pep talk right now because <laughs> that's about where I am. It's funny because, uh, so the book that released um, like two weeks ago, you know, I had started it a while back, but then I had like back surgery and then the pandemic and it had like some more tragic aspects to it. And so I was like really struggling just to get myself in that emotional place. So I like took a break, <laughs> wrote a shorter story and it was something that I, I still had on my plate. Like it was for a shared world and I had committed to it, but it was like what I needed to kickstart me again. But yeah, sometimes it's like, you just got to kick your butt or there was some book I read that was like, if you're not enjoying what you're writing, the reader's probably not going to enjoy it either. either. Yeah. Um, so it's like, if you're, if you're trying to skip ahead to the good bits, like just write the good bits and then like it'll flow from there. Right. So yeah, <laughs> fill it in, fill it in. Yeah. I mean, I, I write chron chronologically, but I have friends who they write like their big passionate plot points and then go through and like fill in the in-between spaces. So whatever works, man, whatever works. I, I thought I would be a chronological writer and I'm like way less so than I thought. It's like, I kind of have some big plot points and then 
if I feel like writing a scene or it comes to me, that's the scene I write. And then I figure out, it's like, it's like this puzzle where I know all the pieces are floating somewhere and they're all like filtering down and coming together. And I know eventually it'll work out, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> I love hearing about people's writing process because everybody is different. Yeah. Um, you know, if anything, that's another piece of advice that I, that we could both give is, you know, figure out what your process is because it's probably different from any advice you're going to get from anybody else. Yes. And I think that's the thing is like just finding your own process and being comfortable and confident in it instead of feeling like, well, I'm not doing this right because I'm not doing what so-and-so is doing or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite quotes, and I'm so bad because I don't even know who said it originally, but comparison is the thief of joy. And I always remind myself of that. If I'm looking at somebody who writes faster than me, who writes more than me, who ranks higher than me, who makes more money than I do, whatever. Um, I am not one of those people anyway. I don't typically look at someone and compare myself, but I'm, I'm human. And every now and then my enthusiast goes like into the dark space and I'm like, well, look at them doing better than me, you know? Um, but then I always remind myself like if I had no idea what these people were doing I would be so happy with my results with my creations and that's where I try to focus I'm like it's like in yoga when they say focus on the four corners of your mat don't look around at what other people are doing so anytime I start to feel that way I'm like focus on your four corners stay right here <laughs> drive in your lane drive in your lane <laughs> yeah I mean I think that kind of ties into some of the stuff I've seen that, and there was a post I really liked um for the black lives movement which I know you've done some protesting for and posting about um and this post was kind of like there are many lanes to drive in for this you know movement like pick yours and don't judge people for theirs and it was but it it was so much more yeah. eloquent than that right it was like some people are going to protest some are going to post some are contemplating and thinking things on their own and I think that applies to that as well as everything absolutely so. absolutely yeah so um I guess my other question, this goes like way off topic. Uh, so you do yoga, but you also do pole dancing. I've seen. I do. <laughs> so I would love to know like how you got into that, what it's like. I have a cousin who does trapeze um, stuff, which oh, wow, so cool. Right. And like silks. Um, I, I physically think that would break me with my back issues but uh, maybe like 10 years ago before those and my kid yeah but uh so I'd love to know more about pole dance and how you got into it and you know if, yeah. if it feels as empowering as I imagine it to be <laughs> yeah so okay so <laughs> I am another thing with the sevens is that we have a lot of um hobbies that we pick up and are very passionate about for a short amount of time and then we ditch them um and this has been the case for me primarily in the fitness world i have been in and out of so many different things like i played softball when i was younger i got really into like um high intensity like uh like the insanity workouts and stuff like that and then i went to zumba and i actually taught zumba for a few years i loved it so much got out of zumba and sort of focus on orange theory, loved orange theory, was an addict and went all the time. Um, but all of these things, they lasted for just like, you know, a year or two or a few years. And then I just lost interest. And I think the biggest thing was that they weren't challenging me consistently. So once I stopped feeling challenged and it starts to feel monotonous, I can't, I just can't do it anymore. I'm like, okay, I'm done. Um, yoga. I so relate to that. I'm just gonna, right? Yeah. <laughs> It is, it has to be, it has to keep me on my toes. Um, yoga definitely keeps me on my toes. Even if I go to the same sort of classes, I'm every time I step on my mat, it's, it's a new experience. I have no idea what to expect for that day. I constantly surprise myself. Sometimes I fail when I just succeeded the day before and then 
anyway. So that's one that I've kept on to. And then pole dancing is the same way. Um, I got started to answer your question. I got started when, um, the first time I went pole dancing was I was previously married and my bachelorette party, we went out to this pole dancing studio. I was covered in bruises the next day. I was like, I hated it. I'm never going back. That was mortifying and I'm awful and never, never, never again. Yeah. And then a couple years ago, I was living with my best friend, um, Sasha, which my readers will know, know her name because she's everywhere on my social media. And um, she came into my room and she was like, I want to do this pole dancing four week beginner session. It's right down the street from us. We should do it together. And I said, no. <laughs> and <then laughs> she begged me to go. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll do it. She didn't want to go alone. And so we did it together. And I just, something changed from the last time I had gone and I loved it. And it was so hard. I couldn't get anything. I was very frustrated because I was like, I'm strong. I'm in shape. Why can't I do these things? And I just started slowly signing up for more and more sessions and more and more classes. And I am a full on obsessed addict now. I've been dancing for a little over two years and I, I just love it. It is so challenging. And what I think is the best part about it is it is a creative outlet for me, but I not in your head creative, like in a body sort of creative. Yes. Um, and one of the biggest things that I think writers can do for themselves is to have a creative outlet that is not writing. So yes. whether that's gardening or cooking or pole dancing, whatever it is, um, giving yourself some sort of expression outside of your writing. So yeah, I love it. And I have a pole dance, um, uh, Instagram, if you guys want to follow me, um, but just be prepared. There's a lot of booty on there. My booty hangs out the whole time. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> well, I admire you so much for doing it. And I think it's, it's awesome. And yeah, definitely having like a physical, um, hobby that takes you out of your head is so crucial. I know like there've been many times where it's like, I just need to do something that requires all my brain power, right? In, and hopefully physical, but um, yeah, I think that's really cool. So thank you. <laughs> I just had Mimi hate you come out. Um, so if any of you are watching this and you haven't read me before and you want to, that's a great place to start. It's a complete standalone. So you have a one book commitment and then you can let it go. Um, but I also have a I call it my passion project. It is the Palm South University series, and it's a new adult college romance, um, sort of written like a television show. And that I don't mean that like you're reading a script. I just mean that there are um, each book, which I label as a season, has um, like an, a, an arc, a story arc for each character. But then the series as a whole also has like a, an overarching theme that's going on as well. So it feels like sitting down to binge your favorite Netflix show. Um, it's been compared to Gossip Girl, Riverdale, Greek, things like that. So um, the fifth installment is coming out next week on the 30th, which I'm really excited about. It's Ritual. You can pre-order it now. Um, and if you want to get introduced to the series, I will give you the first book for free. You can get that link in my website or um, on my Instagram profile as well, and you can get the first book for free. So well, I love the, the premise of that series. I haven't gotten to read it yet. I read um, Make Me Hate You, and then I read your um, poetry book with Brittany Cherry, and I loved that. Oh. It felt very, um, like, 
it felt very raw and genuine in a in a way that's different than reading a romance novel. And um, I could definitely like feel your different personalities and and almost pains. Um, but I I thought it was really beautifully written, and I I really enjoy it, and I highly recommend that one. So <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, um, I've so enjoyed talking to you today. I had a blast, and I feel like I I learned a lot and have a lot of things to uh, take back and maybe you know work on for myself. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me on. And I love your energy. I'm so excited to see where you go in your writing career and congrats on an awesome release just a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm excited for what comes next because you're going to get off this call and go do one of your night brainstorms and get back in that, uh, and writing your current manuscript. It's going to be great. Thank you. Thank you for the TED talk. Um, and before you go, I have to ask, um, what three things you're grateful for today for those who have read my book, um, unexpected there's, it's a nanny single parent romance, but the nanny's actually a guy. Um, and so he's watching the little girl and every night he asks her this question. Um, and so I thought Aww. it'd be to ask you as well. I love that. I actually start every morning with a gratitude journal as well. So I'm all into that. Um, so this morning, the first thing I put down was Jack, um, my boyfriend, and I, he is often one of the first things that I'm thankful for, but especially during all the craziness that's going on in the world right now, I think we all struggle mentally some days and it's just so nice to have him there. We, you know, he can hold my hand and tell me it's all going to be okay. So I'm very, very thankful for him. Um, I'm thankful for opportunities to speak to new, new writers that I am unfamiliar with and to get to have this talk about things that we're so passionate about. Um, that makes me really happy. And I'm thankful for an excuse to put on makeup and do my hair because I have been living <laughs> a scrub life, girl. I live in leggings and tank tops. I haven't put on a real bra in months. It's been great. <laughs> but I'm excited that I got to get dressed up. I know you feel so fancy, right? It's like, uh, yeah, I mean, mine have shifted because it's like so, so, so hot here. Um, and my daughter and I go outside for a long time in the morning. So I'm like, why am I putting on like anything right. about workout clothes that are breathable? And then it's like, now we've started, like we come home from our walk and we take a shower and I feel like we're both so much happier because Love that. Yeah, it's like this kind of Zen. Okay. Well now we'll put on clean clothes and enjoy the rest of the afternoon. So <laughs> Exactly. You gotta find exactly. what works. <laughs> uh, well, thank you again so much for having me. I, I really, I had such a great time. You can find links to her books in her Instagram bio. All of them are free to read on Kindle Unlimited and be sure to sign up for her newsletter to get that free book um, for the series that's coming out more like next week. Um, so Yay. until next week, this is Jenna Hartley. Cheers to love, laughter, and happily ever afters. Stay true to yourself and keep sharing your gifts with the world because we need more women's voices like yours. Thank you for listening and I can't wait to see you again. Like what you hear? Hit that subscribe button. Uh, share it with a friend. The more empowered women we have, the stronger the world is, the better we'll be. Thanks. Thanks.